I'll just go ahead and, and confess like in the in if I'm here and Jim is gone somewhere and there is some kind of farm exercise that needs to be done that wasn't anticipated like there's a snake in the chicken coop okay there's there is then in addition to all of the things that have to be done there's a lot of screaming <laughs> I think people miss that you know the Great Commission is not just a mandate it's it's actually a making of a people. We aren't we aren't just given the great commission. We actually are the great commission. We are co-missionaries. And so I I think that um circling back around and just admitting that a lot of adults have never been discipled. Hello again everyone. Dennis Allen with the Disciple Dilemma along with my co-host Raymond Monroe and we want to talk about you guessed it, discipleship. A lot of people are saying something's wrong with discipleship in the West. Some would even suggest we may not even really know what we're doing as a modern day disciple against the biblical model Jesus gave us. One of those people is with us today, Carmen LaBerge, who is a very well-known radio host, Faith Radio. She's also an author. She's a Princeton theologian. We've got some interesting conversations going on today about this whole issue around discipleship. I hope you'll ride both parts, part one and part two, with us as we have a discussion about speaking the truth, Carmen's book, and how that affects discipleship. Here we go. Raymond, I am uh, really fascinated today as we get this conversation going because I think for the first time in my life, I found somebody who, as I describe them, there's 10 Ps, maybe 11 Ps that I can put on the table here to kind of set this person up. So this person has been a pastor, is a podcaster, is a planter, that's a farmer, is a Princetonian, uh, is the president of, or was, late committee for a an interesting group that is something to do with now the Reformation Press, a published journalist, you can see her in a lot of places that you and I would recognize at Christianity Today and so on and so forth. Uh, page-making author, we're going to talk about her book today. Parent, which also infers that she's a bride, which means she has a partner, and uh, she's participating in all these boards. And her name is Carmen LaBerge. Carmen, thank you for being with us on The Disciple Dilemma. Dennis and Raymond, thank you so much. Oh, glad to have you. Great. I don't think I've ever had anybody with all those P's before, so that was really sort of fun. <laughs> um, how long and did I don't that think you, Dennis. Dennis, how long did that take you? Yeah, that feels like that feels like stuff. quite an exercise. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I spent probably forty seconds on that. <laughs> wow! Wow! Which, which, with my ADD, means that was really impressive. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm Grandma Carmen to five little people now, and um, and all I came into all of my kids. They, you know, they all belong to Jim, and I married uh, him twelve years ago, and so I came into six kids, and they've now many of them grown up. Four of them are now married, and two of them uh, went to college, and one graduating this year. So it's tribal, and it's so much fun. Wow. And and are you saying also as a grandparent that you're actually on a farm? I mean, is this like a hobby farm? Is this like an so, image farm? What is this? Um, so yeah, chickens, dogs, cows, corn, 
Um, we have a, we have a little orchard. We have, uh, I mean, if you go to my Facebook page, like you can watch me and one of our kids, uh, we had to dig up the sweet potatoes because Jim was in Colorado hunting and it was time. Like we needed to get them out of the ground and it hadn't rained in so long. It was literally like excavating them from concrete. It is. It's so, I mean, yeah, so we do it all and, um, it's really fun. Um, I don't know. We probably pressed 10 or 15 gallons of cider already this year from our apples. And yeah, I mean, it's like a, it's a, it's a small farm, but we do everything. We try to, I mean, we do a little bit of everything. Our cows, we don't milk them. They're beef cows, but um, uh. yeah. And, and three of our grown kids uh, who are married live down the street. So. so this is like Martina Luther. I mean, you've, you've started a farm, you're a theologian and here you are out here working, working the land. This is, I think that God intended us to uh, cultivate, and I think that he intended us to cultivate a garden, right? I mean, initially, like, that's the first job, um, but I think cultivating relationships, I think today cultivating culture, I think if you don't like the harvest of unrighteousness you see around you, you can apply all of the, like, agrarian wisdom that there is in the Bible, and you can dig it up. You can uh, reseed it. You can overseed it. You can, I mean, you know, God's going to give the growth, but I think we're supposed to produce a harvest of righteousness in our lives. So for me, the, all of the dirt is a good fit. Everybody thinks that farming is a pastoral, placid, wonderful experience. And you're already laughing because you know, it's one of the most violent activities on earth. You're yes. ripping stuff out. You're pruning stuff. You're killing animals. You're doing all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of screaming. I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and confess. Like in the in, if I'm here and Jim is gone somewhere, and there is some kind of farm exercise that needs to be done that wasn't anticipated, like there's a snake in the chicken coop. Okay. There's there is then in addition to all of the things that have to be done. There's a lot of screaming. <laughs> Because I don't, I don't really know what else to do, but just scream the whole time that we're doing whatever it is that we have to do, and he's not here to actually do it. So there you go. Well, instead of screaming the truth, let's talk about speaking the truth for just a minute here. Um, there's, there's this book called Speak the Truth that you wrote, and I'm curious about you unpacking for us the why and the who's behind this book. Who, who are you aiming at, and why'd you put it together? So it grows out of um, observations in my own relationships and my own circles of friends and my own family where Christians um, increasingly um, were wringing their hands and withdrawing from conversations that were happening at the coffee shop or at work or wherever. And so the Christians were like withdrawing from the conversation in part because they were beginning to feel attacked. Um, but also because they did not feel like they knew how to say things that were true and honest to scripture and treat people with kindness and love. Like that figuring mm -hmm. out how, how do I speak the truth in love? Um, and it's more art than science. It's highly relational, but there are some tools that you can pick up and and learn to use. And so that was really the motivation to um, equip my friends and my family um, to be able to get off of the sidelines and into the conversations of the day and do so in ways that um, would genuinely honor Jesus. 
Are you sort of the extrovert in the family, Carmen, and you're trying to shove this down your family's throat, or are you expecting all of us to be like you? What's going on? So um, it's funny you should say that. I'm actually in my family the introvert, um, and so um, wow. yeah. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm like kind of a well developed introvert. Like I have confidence in speaking and those kinds of things, but it's not where I get my energy. I love my alone time with the Lord and. Um, I mean, I even, my family even knows like there's a corner and if I'm sitting in that corner, like you should leave her alone. Like she's, she's over there doing business with Jesus. Um, so I don't, I don't um, pretend to know how to do this any better than anybody else. I feel absolutely compelled to, um, to talk about Jesus. And so, uh, for me, Christianity, the Christian life being a disciple is totalizing. There's no part of my life. There's no relationship. There's nothing that there's nowhere that I go that isn't related to who he is and, um, and who I am now that he possesses me. And so, um, for me, these are tools that I learned how to use along uh, a journey of discipleship that is obviously continuing. And so, you know, some of what I share are the mistakes that I made along the way or the conversions that I've experienced. Like, you know, um, I would say one of the major conversions in my own life that I experienced along the way was, was the transition or the transformation really from being like angry with people who reject what the Bible says um, particularly people who then present themselves as Christians and they want to be in leadership roles in the church. And I'm like, now, wait a minute, I used to be really angry at them. And then I realized, okay, so I don't think anger is necessarily the right affect. Once God changed the way I actually see people who are held captive by an enemy and they are absolutely living in a delusion, they believe what they're saying. Well, I'm not angry at that. That makes me incredibly desperately sad. And so instead of anger, I now have this deep sympathy, deep, like grief level pity. Now, you can't tell people that because nobody wants to be grief level pitied, especially by somebody that they think is like, you know, a crazy Jesus person. But it's a completely different motivation of engagement. And you see literally like you, God gives you these eyes to like see that they're being held captive um, as a prisoner of war because that's what they are. And so instead of being angry at that, I mean, who's going to be angry at a prisoner of war? Like that is not the right affect. The right affect is this desperate sympathy. And then this, I'm going to stand right there close enough to liberate them if if it's absolutely anywhere in my power to do so. So it's that standing close to the fire that some might be snatched. Um, so whatever that is, I don't think it's extroversion version as much as, you know, I guess I hope it's Jesus-y. Having been involved with Dennis on the podcast and all, I have found that it's relatively easy within my professional life to begin to talk to people about the disciple dilemma as an activity I'm in. And right. that opens Good. the door to just tell them about Jesus in a way that's just really not threatening because it's I'm just sharing with them some of my life. And what you were saying, it seemed to me, is sort of fundamental because I'd sent Dennis an article just in the last couple of weeks 
about a survey of people leaving the church, whether they were deeply Christian, but just stopped going to church or whether they were rejecting church. And they all add, they all attributed their movement away from the church, not to the teaching or even the doctrine or practices. It was the lack of community, a lack of really connecting with people so that when I begin to talk about the gospel, it's not a sales pitch that's unwelcome, but just a, a sharing of who I am and why I care about them. Yeah, I would say that that's absolutely correct. Um, the Jesus leads with grace. He's completely full, full to the brim of both grace and truth, but he leads with grace. Um, and he never, he never hesitates to communicate the truth, um, but it's, more times than not, the second act, the first, the first act is dealing with the person. Um, I'm thinking here of, um, of the woman that we describe as caught in adultery. Um, you know, the, the first act is an act of compassion. It's an act of grace. Um, it's a, it's, it's not go and sin no more. He gets there, doesn't he? But it's not where he starts. He starts with her and her need and her life experience and where she is and the culture of her day. And um, and it's, yeah, so it's brimming. That story is brimming with grace. And, and yet, definitely, you know, we get to the place where we understand that the truth is still the truth. And he's not, um, he's not going to be any less than fully truthful. He is the truth. The truth is a person. And I think that, Instead of the gospel being some abstract set of ideas that we're trying to get people to agree to, it is about meeting people, getting to know people, and then introducing them to the one, to the other person, the person who now animates our lives, um, and that is Jesus. And so I think we can get in the way sometimes. There's often too much me and not enough thee in in relationships, um, and so uh, I appreciate Raymond, your you know your real desire to um, be communicating the gospel, and I would say that most, in my experience, most of it is not um, okay. Here are the three points I need to make, or the here's the Roman road I need you to walk down, or it's just not that propositional. It's much more relational. Yeah, and and one of the things you and I talked about in passing before we started this whole thing was the notion of narrative and story as a primary way of communicating rather than propositions. People aren't looking for truthful propositions. We're in a sort of postmodern world where we're tribal and tribes have stories and individual people have stories of how they fit within their identity, the different uh, communities they're involved in. And it's perfectly reasonable to share with other people who I am in terms of my story. We are talking with author, and she's been a pastor and we're talking with a radio host Carmela Burge and her book Speak the Truth how to bring God back into every conversation Carmen I'm interested in just because we call this thing the disciple dilemma and we talk about how western christianity has 
in some ways lost its grip on what the biblical meaning, the full biblical meaning of discipleship is all about. I'm really kind of interested in your thoughts about how you see disciples intersecting the the themes in your book, how you see disciples not today really understood in themes in your book. How, how would you contrast the get it versus need to get it in the book that you've produced here? Um, so we received from Jesus, um, a great commission and, and I think we, maybe a lot of people like have it memorized, right? They can, they can tell you what the great commission is. Um, again, propositionally go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. It rolls off the tongue, right? Um, but just because I can repeat something back to you, it, it doesn't mean I even know what a disciple is. And so, um, part of my sense is that people know they're supposed to speak the truth. People know they're supposed to be an ambassador of the kingdom in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, or people know they're supposed to be, um, representing Christ. I like to say representing Christ, just slow the work down a little bit. I think they, you know, they, they know, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a supposed to in all of that. I think people miss that, you know, the great commission is not just a mandate. It's, it's actually a making of a people. We aren't, we aren't just given the great commission. We actually are the great commission. We are co-missionaries. And so I, I think that, um, circling back around and just admitting that a lot of adults have never been discipled. There's a lot of people who would wow. claim to be Christians, right? We would claim to be Christians, but we're never actually discipled. And so um, we didn't, we weren't invited to walk in a discipleship journey alongside a more mature disciple where we could actually see what being a disciple of Jesus looked like at work, where we could see what it looked like uh, picking up kids. We could see what it looked like. We haven't been a, um, I, I think that there are people in youth ministry who would describe it this way. We haven't been a withing culture. We've been a very independent culture, but we haven't been like a withing come with me. And Jesus is a come with me rabbi, you know, come with me, come and see, um, follow me. It's a withing his, his model of discipleship is that people would be with him. And yet somewhere along the way, we decided that discipleship should be something other than that. And and there hasn't been any withing in so long that now nobody knows how to do it. So I, um, so Speak the Truth is, you know, one, um, one, I think, example of many, many attempts out there to get people tilling that soil in their own life, acknowledging and recognizing that I don't frame it this way in the book, but that they were never really discipled, that they don't, they don't know the truth as a person. They know the truth as a proposition, but they don't know the truth as a person. And so they don't know how to use just their regular, ordinary conversations to be the person who is literally representing Christ in that moment. It's not that in every moment 
we're, we're, you know, telling people the gospel. That's not what this is. When I say getting God back into every conversation, it is getting people to think supernaturally in a world dominated by naturalism. It's getting people to recognize that the perspective as a Christian that I bring into a conversation is completely different than the perspective anybody else in the conversation has. And if I hold my tongue and I don't speak, then God has literally been left out of the conversation. And so Christians who are like surprised, like so surprised that God doesn't like have a voice in every place in the culture. It's because Christians don't know what to say. They don't know God well enough to bring an eternal perspective to bear in an everyday, ordinary, uh, temporal conversation. Would you help the church think more about discipleship? Would you help us get the conversation started to talk about the biblical discipleship Jesus gave us? Please follow us. Our website, www.thediscipledilemma.com. You can find us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and all the RSS feeds. If you'd follow or like us, you'll help us get leverage in the digital marketplace to talk about the fact that discipleship needs to be talked about. And as always, folks, thanks for listening.